0: Listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church, you can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at nine and ten thirty a.m. on Sunday mornings. Wow, isn't that amazing? Thanks, Roz. Appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. It's so fun to see you. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, just. Uh, um, Neat, neat story, and and uh, I love it when God transforms a life like that. But you know, I feel, I feel like a kid on Christmas Eve right now. I'm just so excited. I hardly sleep last night because my daughter is just uh, she's ready to pop. Um, she's got you know the, she's got uh, last week so she was two and a half centimeters. 80% of face. The baby's at plus one. I don't know what all those mean. All that means is that it's, it's going to happen. And then she's just left here. She was going to be in service here, but she knew that my sermon would be so awesome she'd have the baby right now. <laughs> but but she the, 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 the contractions are six minutes apart. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. So, so if that could go on for a long time, I know. Yeah. Okay. I'm hoping for this afternoon. What a birthday present that would be for me. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Anyways, well... uh, so we're, I'm excited about that. So hopefully next week I'll be able to announce uh, a little baby that we're going to have in our family. But uh, I just feel so excited about that. So if I just kind of just go a little nuts today, it just, it's that fault. But um, but this past, this last Sunday, uh, another baby was born. From, remember Nicole? Uh, you know who Nicole is? She's well with child. She sings up here, Nicole. Well, um, uh, they had their baby, Nicole and Jason. And here it is, little Harper Lee Slee Sliwa cutest thing you've ever seen. Uh, And then uh, seven pounds, four ounces, 9.5 inches long, born last Sunday, November 8th, uh, 2014. Uh, And uh, uh, her story is a fun story for uh, she was born on the 605. Yeah, Nicole started feeling uh, some things going on. She thought, "Well, this is the second baby; it'll be, uh, it'll be just you know just as long." because she had like 30 hours of labor and uh, didn't think much about it. So finally, got Jason out, got the car, and it just there it was, born on the side of the freeway. So Jason and Nicole Sliwa, uh um Lil, great grandma, uh, Grandma Debbie uh, was here, and then uh, Steve and Carol Ellis our great uncle and aunt of that little precious gem. I got to hold her on Wednesday, went over to their house, and just (laughs) cute thing. Anyways, uh, take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to Matthew chapter 5. Also, keep your finger or or turn your over to keep your finger in in, uh, uh, Psalm 37. But If you don't have a Bible, our ushers are coming down the aisle. They've got a Bible, a loaner so if you need one, just raise your hand Adam, and uh, they'd be happy to loan you that. It is a loaner, so leave it there. When it's done, they'll come pick it up. But if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, uh, you, you, know, you, don't, you, just, you can't afford it yourself and you'd like the one, then after the end of the service, just out these double doors, go to that long desk there. Just ask the information desk, people, I would like to have a Bible and they'd be happy to give it to you. And again, it's not, just don't get one for a gift for somebody, but just get it for you. Uh, that would be great. Well, we've been studying uh, through Jesus' life-changing, life-transforming words from his famous sermon in Matthew chapter 5. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus knows uh, that much of our world has adverse, not what should be effect on us. Uh, Like Rosalind talked about, uh, we face hurts by others and even by ourselves. Divorce. Messed-up relationships, abuse, abandonment, poverty, casualties, sufferings, and the list could go on. Not only that, this uh, adverse world also creates hang-ups. Hang-ups uh, developed as we're living in an unhealthy world. Hang-ups like a crummy attitude or internal struggles like anxiety or self-esteem issues or rejection or insecurities, and we can go on and on in the list of that. And we even pick up in this a difficult world some bad habits like lying or cheating or or self-centeredness where we self-medicate and achieve to gain approval and we form prejudice and addictions and more and here in Matthew chapter 5 Jesus provides some help some ingredients for change where we are transformed by God's story You see, the Bible explains, the Bible reveals who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Bible lays out God's way of life. And as we know God more and follow his precepts, his decrees, his statutes, his commands, we are changed. We are transformed and we even know God more. We're we're moved from devastation to destiny. Kind of like David David of the Bible, you know David and Goliath? Uh, David, a simple shepherd boy, uh, kind of the the, the runt of the family, one that they didn't think would measure much up to anything, certainly not a warrior like his brothers. And yet God chose him to be the king over Israel. And David had to face giant problems, difficult issues, uh, life threatened constantly, and even committed adultery. And yet God moved him from devastation to destiny every time as he knew God more and lived life his way. God takes us from tragedy to triumph as we know him more and live life his way. Like Joseph. You know, Joseph and the, the special uh, uh, coat he had. Somebody did a uh, uh, musical, Joseph in a Technicolor Raincoat or something like that. The story of the Bible of Joseph who really had some issues in life. I mean, he he had some deep family problems. Not only did his family hate him, but his brothers tried to kill him more than once. And he was sold off into slavery and all kinds of tragedies and, and difficulties happened in his life. And, and yet uh, God moved him from tragedy to triumph as Joseph focused on God. And Joseph even had a... a um, uh, a, a self-centered issue with him. Uh, even though he'd been given these dreams, he kind of flaunted it in front of his brothers. No wonder his brothers didn't like him. But he moved from tragedy to triumph as he focused in on God and lived life his way. We, the two, get nudged from frustration to fulfillment, like Moses. Now we'll talk a little bit about Moses' life later on. But but Moses, who <laughs> uh, struggled through the you know being an adopted child, and then finding out what his identity is and was and struggled with that and even, even murdered somebody. Was, was, was cast away from his family, both of his families and, and uh, flung into the desert and, and yet Moses sought God and it moved him from frustration to being fulfilled and, and when we focus on God and we live life his way, we're, we're led from pain to pleasure like the Apostle Paul. See, the Apostle Paul thought he had it all wired. He actually thought that if you just live right, live this religious order, you know, check off this box, check off this box, check off this box, do this and that and next thing, then you would be right and that was good. You could do anything else you want, but as long as you checked off those things, you were okay. And he was living this religious life, yet he was experiencing all kinds of pain, pain internally. And then finally, Jesus met him on that road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And he was transformed. He was changed because he sought Christ and sought to live life his way. And despite the thorns of his life, he moved from pain to pleasure. We like stories like that. We like transforming stories like that. And we like present-day transforming stories as well, like Raz's story. Or a couple of weeks ago, we heard Mike's story. (laughs) And a couple of weeks ago, we heard Lori's story. And we had, and last week we heard Chaz's or Charles' story. He's over in the branch now telling his story over there. See, these people looked at their life and they realized uh, something was not right. And yet they looked and learned in, about Jesus and how amazing he is and the life he has for them, an abundant life. And they made the choice to begin the journey to know Jesus more and to live life his way. We're encouraged by these stories challenged by these stories these stories help us they, they motivate us they give us hope uh, kind of like the the viral story uh, last year about Jim Wolfe uh, he was a, a Vietnam vet or I think it was Vietnam but check this out. We, we love stories of transformation like this. And sure, there are times that, that a simple change, like a makeover, can change a life. But as Jim's sister said, despite the generous physical transformation, Jim's future would not be like a fairy tale. And that was true. For over two years ago, just two months after this makeover, he was arrested for a few misdemeanors and was in jail for 10 days for public drunkenness. And in that one video where he's talking to reporters through that phone, he just kind of, I I want to change. I want to change. I I, I don't know what happened, but I want to change. See, the reality is um, transformation takes work and time. And sure, we would love our hurts and our hang-ups and our habits to be dealt with like a makeover, maybe even a time lapsed makeover, but it takes the willingness on our part to make key strategic choices and put out the efforts and to put ourselves in a good environment where we can be transformed to the people we are created to be. See, we live in a a sin-saturated world that has an effect on us, and we do gain hurts and hang-ups and bad habits some are intense, some are not. But we all live in a world organized by the prince of the power of the air, by our enemy, Satan, and he is good at what he does. He's good to keep people so messed up they don't think about God at all, and to force on those who know God in a circumstances that create hurts and hangups and bad habits so much so that we're rendered ineffective to God and we're so caught up in ourselves, we only think of us. But there is good news. It's called the gospel, which literally means good news. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, and he, that's Jesus, died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Because Jesus paid the penalty for our sin on the cross and rose from the grave, we have assurance that we can break free of this sinful world and the pull of it. But the sad truth is we can live for ourselves. Thinking more about ourselves than anything else, our interests, our ideas, our needs, our desires, what we want to say and have things done our way and it completely shapes our time and our money and our efforts and our talent. And yet Jesus came to break that pole and to get us back to our design. And that happens when Jesus is on the throne of our life. And in Matthew chapter five, Jesus is laying out the path that leads us through the dark forests of life. It's a focus on him as we choose to live life his way, choose to listen to the teachings of Jesus to explain who he is and how he wants us to live. To choose to be poor or humble in spirit. To choose to grieve over our hurts and our hang-ups and our bad habits. And now to take on another choice. A choice to trust in Jesus. To find our delight in Jesus. To commit to Jesus. To endure with Jesus and depend upon Jesus. It's called being meek. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 5, "'Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth.'" So I'd like for us to explore uh, this as we study this and as we're transformed by God's story and as we take on not weakness, but meekness. Why don't you stand with me as we uh, launch into this? Just take your Bible, set them aside for a second. And I believe God has something for you today. There's a reason you're here, and we've already experienced some of that through the song and the testimony but I know he has something for you from God's word today. Let's ask him to teach us. Father, thank you for your word, that it is good and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today. Encourage us from your word. Let it soak in, Holy Spirit, apply it to our lives and help us to see what you want us to see this morning, we pray in your son's name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Now, hopefully you've taken out your outline already. It's inside your worship folder. There are a lot of blanks to fill in. Now, if you're, uh, you know, you don't listen that way and, and fill in the blanks, that's okay. Just pick up one of these pages afterwards. Stan, refer to this. On the back, there are the answers to all the fill in the blanks and a lot of the verses, extra verses I list here. Uh, and you can pick up one of these afterwards. But I encourage you to do take no- some notes. It really helps to listen and to learn more as you go along here. Now Jesus is, is quoting in Matthew chapter five, verse five, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. He's quoting Psalm 37, actually verse 11. So let's, let's look at this Psalm and, and as we look at a profile of the meek and then later on we'll look at the, uh, the promise of the meek, but let's look at a profile of the meek found in Psalm 37, starting in verse three. So open up your Bible to th- Psalm 37 and let's look at this profile of the, the meek. The first is that the meek trust. In Jesus, it's the first blank you fill in the word trust. Verse three of of Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. To feel safe with, to uh, be abandoned to, to surrender to God's sovereign leading and care and way of life, that's trust. It's the trust of handing your money over to investors (laughs) and say, okay, do good with this. It's the trust in a, a marriage commitment. You stand before God and for, before people, and you, you commit your life to each other. you trusting, placing your trust in that one, and them placing their trust in you to live together and to develop a good, strong relationship and marriage. It's the trust of letting your kids grow into adults. It's the trust of being vulnerable, being vulnerable with a friend. Many of you know the the verse, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That we are to trust in God, not leaning on our own thoughts and ideas, but really trust in him, placing our stress, doing that faith fall back into him. But a lot of times we forget verse seven of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We should add verse seven to it. This is what it says. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. You see, it's easy for us to get involved in a pride, because pride is an obstacle to trust. Not just the arrogant kind of pride, but being wise in your own eyes, saying, I know more. I know more about this situation. I'm going to be wise in my own eyes. See, when we're wise in our own eyes, we don't trust the Lord, but we need to be not wise in our own eyes, but fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is that uh, reverent respect of him, that he does know what he's doing, and that we can trust him in his word, that we can take the Bible and say, I believe this, every part of it, I believe the maps, everything about it. We love the Bible so much. And in Psalm 37, three, it says we are to befriend, my, my translation says, be- befriend faithfulness. Literally, it means to feed on faithfulness, that the, that the food that we take in is that willingness to walk with God in life, to follow His directions. And that's how we feed in faithfulness, befriend faithfulness, to make that choice to fear God and to trust Him regardless. See, being meek is a choice to be trust, to, to trust, to trust in Jesus. For when we do, an encouragement and new kind of liberty from God fills our life. The meek delight in Jesus. Look at verse four. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. To delight is to choose to find your joy, your passion, your fun in God. It's like choosing to like coffee. How many of you like coffee? Come on, admit it. How many of you, when you first tasted coffee, you thought it was gross? Yeah. What did you do? You acquired a taste for it. I'm still not there yet. I'm not grown up enough. Because for me, coffee tastes like somebody took dirty socks, put dirt in it, and steeped it in water. (laughs) I mean, it does smell nice, but oh. Um, Now I'm getting better. I like coffee ice cream with, with a lot of chocolate fudge on top and whipped cream. (laughs) <laughs> oh, mud pie. Oh. <laughs> but, but you acquired a taste for coffee. Well, a lot of times with God, it's the same way. You need to acquire a taste. Not that he's, sometimes he is bitter. Because we, 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 we thought, I had this concept of God, like Roz was talking about, that God should be one way. And yet we need to taste and see and, and acquire that taste of God. And then to delight ourselves in him. To choose to like God and his way. You know what that's called? That's called faith. Hebrews 11:1 says, "Now faith is the assurance of things Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That's faith. It's trusting enough and then finding not only the trust, but to delight yourself enough in, what, in who God is and the way He wants us to live. Now an obstacle to faith is doubt. Doubt says, I I want to have faith, but I just don't, I just don't know. And that's okay. Ask God to help your doubt and take it one step at a time. Drink in Jesus and learn his way and live it. It's that simple. For the more you value him, the more you will delight in him. And the more you delight in him, the more you want to live life his way. Being meek is a choice to delight in Jesus. For when you do, a deep beauty and inner satisfaction from God fills your life. Well, the meek also commit to Jesus. Look at verse five and six. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Bring forth your righteousness. He will bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as the noonday. The word here for commit is, gives the word picture of rolling your ways into God's way it's like that he's a he's leading a safari (laughs) and instead of kind of going it on your own in the jungle of life that you roll yourself under and behind God that you let him lead you and be under his direction in life Micah 6 8 says this he has told you O man what is good And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. To as your daily life, as your daily walk, to go his way, to find out how he wants you to live, to find out how he wants you to treat your neighbors and how you are to be at work and all these things, to look to him for guidance and direction and how we should live, to walk with him, And sometimes an obstacle is guilt. We feel like, oh, you know, I I messed up too much. I'm too bad. I I don't deserve to be any part of God because I blew it really bad. Well, if you have that, you're struggling with that, just take a look at the the biblical heroes of faith. (laughs) Murderers, adulterers, liars, cheaters, prostitutes. I mean, I can go on down the list These people failed miserably. And yet God transformed them into these amazing servants of him because they were willing to walk his way. Follow Jesus and you will thrive. Being meek is a choice to commit to Jesus for when you do an inner gladness from God fills our life. The meek relinquish to Jesus. Look at verses uh, uh, seven through nine. Be still before the Lord. Psalm 37. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil desires. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it leads only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Be still before the Lord. To be, still, to be still is to rest in, to be silent in, to quiet the mind and soul because we've relinquished our self-will and surrendered to the character and will of God. I, I remember when my son Josh was a, a, just a, a little guy now he's bigger than me, but a little guy. And, uh, and he would just get really rowdy. And, and, uh, and there were times when I, he would just kind of almost start to flail. <laughs> and, and I'd pick him up and he was still struggling and struggling. And finally he would relinquish. It's just like every muscle in his body would relax. And then he would throw his arms around me, give me a hug, and I would hug him and he would rest in his father's arms. In the same way that that's what we need to do. So much so we we try to fight through life on our own. I got this, I'm I'm gonna be in control. And And we're so intense, we're so tense, we're so trying to do it on our own And, and God just says, relinquish, let go, surrender, submit, yield and you'll feel the loving arms of God surround you. Be quieted. By the truth of God. Because his arms are there. Because God loves you. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, um, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you, uh, wrapped my arms around you with my chesed, my loving kindness. Uh, John uh, 15, 13, greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for us and rose again. Ah! God knows us. That's a truth we can, we can rely on. He knows us. Psalm 139, he knows when we sit down and we stand up, he understands our thought from afar. Before our going out and coming in, God knows it all. He even knows what we're gonna say before we say it. He's intimately acquainted with all of our ways. And God cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And God is for us. Romans 8:31, "If God is for us, then who can be against us? God is for us, And not only that, God is with us. Joshua 1:9, "Be strong and courageous." God says, "Because wherever you go, I am with you. God helps us." Philippians 4:19, "And my God will supply all of your needs in Christ Jesus. And God guides us, as we just read, Proverbs 3:5, six and 7 and that God brings out our, the best in us, as Ephesians 1, 6 says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. He's bringing out the best. Rest in that, the truth of who God is. God's word reveals how much he loves us and how amazing his love towards us is. Bask in that. Jump into it and feel his arms around you and get that that you are secure in him and relinquish to him because of these truths. Now, sure, the obstacle of fear is there. You know, can can I trust God? I I don't want to lose control. Continue to focus on the character of God, on who he is. Being meek is a choice to relinquish to Jesus. For when we do, a well of thankfulness from God and for God fills and spills over into our life. Well, the meek also depend upon Jesus. Look at verses 10 and 11. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is the power of a devout dependence on the Lord. You gotta write that down. Meekness is a devout dependence on the Lord. You see, it's not weakness to consult driving directions. (laughs) It's the wisdom in depending upon a more accurate expert. Now, I don't know about you, but Jesus knows everything. He does. The word says it. He is all-knowing. And we can trust in him. And we can lean back and, and depend upon this more accurate expert of life. I mean, we do for Siri for directions. <laughs> How much more should we take to God for directions in life? Following instructions is not weakness. It's the wisdom of depending upon a more knowledgeable authority like Jesus and his way. See, obedience to God is not weakness but wisdom and depending upon God's precepts and his decrees, his statutes, his commands it's putting over it's putting our personal power under the control of God. It is like water you know water out of control creates damage, doesn't it? I mean you know if water floods your house that's not a good thing <laughs> If there's a great deluge and a big flood it's Crazy or a tsunami wipes out whole villages, and if a, if a dam breaks, it's bedlam. But water under control is life giving, it turns turbines and creates electricity. It channeled even better, and under pressure, it could actually move mountains. But the greatest reality of water is that it gives life. You and I are some 80 plus, 90 plus percent water. We need water to live. We need that sense that it, it needs to be under control. You can drown, but yet under control, water is life-giving. Moses was a great example of a, de, of a devout dependence on God. Numbers chapter 12, verse three says, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. That's the, that says something there. Moses was more meek than anybody. And yes, he was unsure of himself. Uh, Moses was, God, I don't speak too well. God, I don't do this. And and he was hit with the obstacle of worry. We worry over, we, we we can really follow God or not, if we can really do it. But yet he and God worked it out and put the power he had under the control of God. That's what being meek is, that dependence upon God. Being meek is a choice to depend upon Jesus for when we do, a steadfastness and strength like the strong, like a strong oak tree comes over our lives. So what does a meek person look like? They choose to trust in Jesus, delight in Jesus, commit to Jesus, relinquish to Jesus, and depend on Jesus. That's knowing Jesus and living life his way. And as we seek to be meek, there's a promise. A promise of the meek, Jesus spoke it in Matthew five verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. See, the meek yield to Jesus. They've come to that place in their life where they believe in Jesus. They made a decision, like Roz, to, to, to follow Jesus. And many of you have done that. Some of you are still waiting. And I encourage you, if you're not sure whether you've come to that place, make sure. Come talk to one of us afterwards, and we would love to pray with you. Email me; my email address is on the on the uh, worship folder, and we can chat. Talk about this. Because once you come to that place, you experience peace with God. See, if, before we come to Christ, there is a, a frustration, an enmity, a, a frustration between us and God because of sin. And when we come to Christ, we believe in Jesus. It's like we're covered with him and God now no longer sees our sinfulness, but sees his son. And that peace is, is taken care of. And we now can have a relationship with God a peaceful one that, that that distance is taken care of and we can have a peaceful relationship and we experience peace with God but we also experience the peace of God because now when we commit our life to, to him and we are meek when we uh, trust in Jesus delight in Jesus commit to Jesus relinquish to Jesus depend upon Jesus when we do that live that meek life life becomes in order because we put him at the center of our life and yes, one day under the future reign of Jesus when he's finally ki- king, but also now, for the meek enjoy abundant peace. Uh, I, I love this passage. Uh, you can turn over it if you want to, but Isaiah 61 just gives an amplified understanding of this idea of, of peace that comes from God. So Isaiah chapter 61, verses one to three. Just listen as I read it. This is Isaiah He's prophesying as if Messiah Jesus was saying this. As a matter of fact, he actually did at one point. But uh, this, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring news to the poor. Actually, the word poor there in Hebrew is the same word for the meek. See, when you, when you experience meekness and you choose meekness, uh, God is there for you. And here's what happens. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted the shattered things that we feel because of sin, Jesus came to bind those up, to help us as we go through the brokenhearted things of life. It doesn't mean the circumstances will change, but he will help us with the the inner feelings that we go through. Not only that, but to proclaim liberty to the captives and open the prisons for those who are bound. Uh, Because sin binds us, it holds us back. It doesn't allow us to experience all that we have, but Messiah came, Jesus came to to release us from the the, the pull of sin. His death and resurrection are proof to that. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Doesn't mean God will take away all the difficult situations, but he'll give us comfort beyond understanding when we go to him. To grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a, a beautiful headdress Instead of ashes in the New Testament times when you struggled struggling on the inside, you wore clothes that that, that made you struggle on the outside sackcloth to make you itch and to, and you wore put ashes on your head as a symbol of mourning and Messiah Jesus has come to to take that away, and the meek experienced that that he, he removes those garments and, and and places them with others and, and and removes that head full of dust and puts on a, on, a, on a crown and, a, and a, a, a beautiful array around us that we can walk in public and feel that sense of, you know, we're going to be okay. The oil of gladness instead of mourning, the oil in the Old Testament symbolizes a lot of the Spirit's movement in our life and he will instill into us when we choose to be meek, we choose to Jesus and, and to know him more. This oil of gladness kind of fills our life and though we struggle we can have that deep inner gladness that's there and the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that, that, that dressing of, of not only will, when, when we feel faint that we can actually be dressed enough because we're covered with Christ to be able to experience even praise when we're going through rough times, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, standing firm, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified for all all for the glory of God, and that's where peace is found. See, the meek acquire peace peace from life's hurts and hang ups and bad habits. Not a quick transformation like Jim Wolfe's, but the reality of Jim's struggle. It takes time and effort, but it's possible. The question is will you choose to be meek? One of the great ways to learn that is to be in an environment that will help and that's what Celebrate Recovery does. Celebrate Recovery is not for everybody and that's okay but it may be for you an opportunity for you to to learn how to be poor in spirit how to grieve and mourn the the sins that we go through and how to be meek and there's eight other principles or eight total principles to go through to help you deal with your habits bad habits and hang-ups and hurts. Being involved in the life group will help as well. So I encourage you with that. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the the truth that you've given us that, Lord, you are there to help us. And that help is found in you, Jesus, in knowing you more and in living life your way. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to guide us, to continue to help us. And God, that you will just walk us through every day Helping us know, know you more. And Lord, may we choose to be meek. May we choose to follow you. For we thank you and pray this in your son's name. Amen.